It all comes down to the role of the dice as to what the capitalist culture is choosing to make money on for that decade. You're listening to Confidently She. Let's gently cleanse that internalized misogyny and equip you to handle what life brings your way. I'm Rebecca Biggie, and I'm here to help. Welcome to the show. All right, it's Rebecca Biggie. Welcome to the show. And I just want to start by letting you know that calling people skinny used to be an insult. So let's just start there. Let's just dive right in. I was doing some research this weekend and found all of these old advertisements specifically marketing to women in like the 30s and 40s about how men didn't like skinny women. And all of these ads had these pictures of women who were like kind of curvier and they were like, you'd never believe people used to call me skinny. Like as if skinny were an insult. This is a real thing. This is a real thing. You can Google it right now. And I just, I I look at this and I laugh because it is all so subjective. All of the words we use are based on how we grew up hearing them. If you grew up hearing fat as an insult, as we all did growing up in this era, of course you're going to feel insulted if someone describes you as fat or if you describe yourself as fat, even even just like sidebar, if you aren't overweight at all, okay? Like we all have this fear of being fat and I'll talk about that in a second. But the thing that's so interesting about language and why the words we use really actually do matter is because language changes over time. The context in which we use words as a culture changes over time. Skinny used to be used as an insult and fat used to be a positive trait. It was like, you want to gain weight. All of these advertisements were saying how women could add 5 to 10, 10 to 20 pounds of fat to their figure. Okay, so so that was the norm. That was what people were telling women to look like. Not even 100 years ago, almost 100 years ago, but not even 100 years ago. So it's been a couple generations that we're now seeing the shift towards skinny is what you want and not just skinny, but skinny in certain places, curvier in certain places and all of this nonsense. And that's why I just write it all off as nonsense, because if culture can't even decide what beauty is, why would I take my definition of beauty from culture? Why should I? You don't even know what it is that you're looking for. If you can't be consistent, why should I meet your standards? It's not like the standards are consistently moving in the same direction either. No, they're going from one extreme to the other. And you know what that tells me? You know what my economics background major tells me? This is about money. This has never been about health. This isn't even about beauty. This is about marketing and capitalism telling men what they should find attractive and telling women 
what's wrong with them, and the products they can buy to fix it. And then in 15 years, we're going to change it to hit the other demographic that we haven't gotten money from for the past 15 years. Do you like, do you see what's happening here? It's so incredibly obvious to me. And I think that this is what was underlying my frustration with this for the past few years. And I finally was able to pull it all together as I started thinking about this and talking about this through the lens of what I learned as an economics major. And what I learned through studying marketing, I want you to know that dieting has never been about health. It has never been about health. It has always been about money, making money. Capitalism creates problems that don't exist to fit a market need that they created. It's actually, I mean, it's brilliant if you think about it, right? Like we're going to convince all of these people, that they have an issue. We're going to sell them a product that doesn't fix the issue and just tells them that they're using it wrong or that they need to use more or they actually used too much. We're always going to blame the consumer and never improve our product. And every 15 to 20 years, we're going to change what the message is, what the story is. We're going to change the narrative to hit a different demographic so that no one ever throughout their lifetime could feel happy with who they are. It's diabolical. It's it's terrible, but it's kind of genius if you're talking about a business plan, right? And I'm not just talking about weight loss. I am not only talking about weight loss. So let's talk about the razor industry. Let's talk about shaving, for example. For a long time, businesses were confined to only marketing to men for razors, and they were only shaving their faces. Okay, that's a pretty small market. It's half the population for a certain period of their lifetime. And for men, it was okay for them to not shave their face. They could have a beard if they wanted to. So instead of exclusively selling products to men, what the razor industry decided was, you know what? Women should start shaving too. Let's create insecurities in women around their underarm hair, hair that typically no one would ever see. But as the 1920s rolled around and flappers came into the scene and these like dresses that didn't have sleeves became popular. The marketers and the capitalists saw an opportunity to create insecurities for women around their arm hair. And what do you know? They had products to sell to them. And some of these advertisements, I mean, I'm Google them like they're ridiculous. They're they, you know, marketing over the past hundred years has gotten a lot more subtle, but the message is still exactly the same. It's you are not an attractive woman unless you change these parts of your body that are natural and acceptable if they're on a man. That's the same message. They're just getting sneakier about it because some people have caught on to like, hey, that's that's kind of offensive and also not true. So they started with underarms. Then they decided, you know what? That's not enough. We want women to be shaving their legs, too. We want more real estate on these women's bodies to to increase our sales, right? We could have specific razors for this and for that and whatever. So then 
it became more popular for women to shave their legs because of marketing that made women afraid to have their their legs not shaved if they're going to be shown. Because then with the next styles that came through was uh, showing more like shorter length of your skirt. So it made sense that as the styles started to change, the company started marketing and advertising to have women shave more of their body. The first razor marketed to women was made by Gillette in 1915. And it was specifically designed for women's underarms. And these ads were basically calling um, any underarm hair unsightly and objectionable. And when you frame something like that, even if it's not the norm, people start following it, especially back in like, 1915. Like, like this was the truth, like things that were published in newspapers, things that were published in magazines, people took as like, oh my gosh, everyone is doing this. Like I must be the only one who's not doing it. So it was really easy for companies and marketers to drive consumer behavior because it was because we weren't as connected then as we are now. And people didn't talk about this kind of stuff. Like, like people didn't, people didn't talk about this kind of thing as openly as they do now. And so you couldn't even really like fact check with your, your friends about things like this because you didn't talk about it. It it was something that you, it was very shame based clearly, and you didn't talk about it. So it started with underarm hair. And then in the 1940s, skirts started to become shorter and there was a nylon shortage actually because of the war. And so women didn't wear nylons as often, so they had to go bare-legged. And then the marketing and the advertisers started saying, if you have to have bare skin, you have to make sure your skin is all the way bare. And they started marketing it towards shaving their legs. And then by 1964, 98% of American women were routinely shaving their legs. So it went from like zero in the 40s to almost 100%. That's insane. As far as marketing and business and like consumer behavior and and product adaptation, that is insanity. But there was a Clairol campaign in the 50s, I believe it was, um, and it was called Does She or Doesn't She? And it was this question, right? This woman with like beautiful blonde hair and the and the the title was Does She or Doesn't She? And it was for Clairol at home hair dye. And by the end of the 1960s, I believe it was, 70% of women were now dyeing their hair. 70%. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if you created a product and within 10 years, 70% of, of women and your target market is women, okay, so it's a pretty big target market, 70% of them were using it. Like, that's, I don't know what the stats are today as far as like consumer adoption rates, but from an economics and from a capitalist standpoint, that is like, that is incredible. Creating a problem that doesn't exist and then selling the solution to that problem and getting people to actually do it and making it a cultural norm, that's insane. And it shows where this stuff actually came from. It came from a couple old white dudes making advertisements back in the 40s. That 
is the idea that is now carried through decades, through generations, setting these expectations for what women have to do with their body. And I'm not shaming anyone who wants to to shave your legs or shave your armpits. Like, that's fine. I do that. But I want you to know the reason why you feel shame around it is because a company wanted to make money 70 years ago. That's why. That's the only reason why. Hey, it's Rebecca. If you are wondering what your next step is in your journey of body confidence, I've got you covered. I developed a body confidence quiz that places you exactly on your step in the body confidence playbook. So go to bodyconfidencequiz.com right now, take the free quiz and find out which step you are currently on and what you need to do next to grow in your body confidence. That's bodyconfidencequiz.com. Take the free quiz and I'll see you there. The reason why you feel shame if someone calls you fat is because a company wanted to make money by by making you skinny. And by the way, a hundred years ago, companies called women skinny as an insult so that they could sell them a product to make them fatter. So it's it none of this is real. Like Like, none of this is real. It is all made up to make money off of insecurities that are manufactured by companies to sell you stuff. It's like when women started actually having financial freedom and access to money, corporations and companies decided we are going to create as many products as possible to just take that money back from them. Now, I'm not a negative doom and gloom conspiracy theory type of person. And that's not the tone that I'm trying to convey here. But it is interesting, isn't it? That the points in history where women started getting power, getting access to finances, getting access to more freedom, that's when all of these restrictions and beauty standards and, and expectations of what we're supposed to do with our bodies became mainstream and started to increase significantly. Because it's not about what your body looks like. It's about controlling and manipulating your body to be something different than it is. These companies, this, these marketing campaigns, these nobody cares what the standard actually is. The standard has never been health. No one has ever cared about women's health. When it comes to the beauty industry, (laughs) what they care about is making you think that the way your body naturally is, the way you naturally are, is not good enough. So whether they want to make you thinner, thicker, blonder, darker hair, more hair, no hair. Like think about like eyebrow trends. As I just said, more hair. Think about eyebrow trends. Okay, I see ads all the time for eyebrow growth serum. Okay, back in two thousand eight, I was trying to pluck my eyebrows so thin that I barely had any. Okay, this is what I'm talking about. So they either get your money through waxing your eyebrows super thin or you paying for serums to grow your eyebrows back. But either way, you're changing your natural eyebrows and they're getting your money. 
Like this is what it's all about. This is what it's all about. Welcome to the beauty industry. Welcome to beauty standards. They change all the time. And all it's about is getting your money. So when it comes to words, realize that all of these terms, these adjectives, these insults, these compliments, they are relative. They have context. They change over time. For the majority of human history, curvy, thicker bodies for women have been seen as attractive. Now, someone with a thinner body like me struggled to feel feminine and attractive because I didn't have all of these curves like I saw in magazines. But what actually matters when it comes to your relationship with your body is when you start to take away what it looks like from how you measure its worth. It's not about saying that the way your body looks is perfect. Nobody's body looks perfect. Nobody's body is perfect. That's not the goal. Not everyone's body is beautiful. That's not the goal. Actually, most bodies, if you really look at them, I mean, they're, they're all flawed. We've all got our own stuff. And it's this idea that we could even reach perfection that's the problem. But it's not about fixing the expectations that culture and beauty have of our bodies. It's about shifting the conversation away from the way our bodies look and say, listen, I get to do whatever I want with my body in terms of aesthetic. And I'm going to do the work to figure out why I find certain things more feminine, why I think certain things about my body are gross. Was that something that I came up with on my own? Is this a unique expression of myself? Or is this marketing that was passively absorbed when I was 11 years old? Probably option two, but Realizing that whatever you choose to do to alter the appearance of your body to express who you are, okay, that's great, but let's stop talking about the way our bodies look. Let's focus our time and energy and money on things that we care about. The people in our lives, our passions, our interests, our art. Make art, okay? Write, read, make music sing, dance, like do something. Okay, do something. Don't let this obsession with what your body looks like stop you from exploring and enjoying your life. And certainly don't let careless words shape how you value and measure who you are. If someone calls you fat, if you call yourself fat, please remember that that used to be a compliment If you're like, I just want to be skinny, I just want to be skinny, please remember that that used to be an insult. It all comes down to the roll of the dice as to what the capitalist culture is choosing to make money on for that decade. That's what it comes down to. It is not the truth that being fat is unattractive or that being skinny is attractive. That is not the truth. The truth is, attractiveness should not be the main topic of discussion when we're talking about women, or even when we're talking about our bodies. If you have questions, if you have insight, if you have comments, please email me 
at hello at confidentlyshepodcast.com. That's what I have for you for this episode. Thank you so much for listening and we'll talk soon. Hey, everybody, it's Rebecca. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. And I want to give an extra special thank you to everyone who has left a rating and review of this show over on iTunes. That means so much to me. So I want to extend a very special thank you. And I will see you again in another episode.